another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day despite the fact that opinion is divided. Opinion is even divided within ideological groups. There are people who are conservatives who are very, very indignant about the indictments that were handed up yesterday uh, by uh, the uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel. There are other conservatives who think it was absolutely necessary. Which is it? And how, uh, I am asked by a very provocative email, how does all of this legal activity uh, with all of the indictments against President Trump, how does that help to bring America together to help unite the country, which we so desperately need? Nobody better to speak to about that than David French. Uh, his most recent book is about uh, Divided We Fall, it's called, America's Secession Threat and How to Restore Our Nation. He's been involved in restoring our nation as one of America's leading religious liberty lawyers for the Alliance Defending Freedom and, uh, and other worthy organizations. He is also a New York Times opinion columnist since uh, January of 2023 and one of the uh, senior editors at The Dispatch, which he helped to start. Uh, David's new column is called The Trial America Needs. And David, if you'll pardon me, I'll just read the one paragraph that I think gets to the very essence of your argument. 2020, maybe uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can continue from there. Uh, you write, if a prosecutor believes that he can prove Trump knew his claims were false and then engineered a series of schemes to cajole, coerce, deceive, and defraud in order to preserve his place in the White House, it would be a travesty of justice not to file charges. So this all goes to Trump's state of mind. If he uh, really did know that it was false that he had won the election, then what you're saying is that uh, Jack Smith had no choice but to bring these charges. Right, exactly. So, you know, if you look at these crimes, uh, they're all crimes that require a, a, a kind of criminal intent. That if you read closely, they'll require that uh, actions that are prohibited be done corruptly for them to be truly criminally prohibited. And so there is a difference between, say, trying to cajole or persuade a legislator to take a certain kind of action, even even sometimes when you're lying by trying to take that kind of action and conspiring, for example, to get uh, fake electors to cast fake votes and actually trying to do, to orchestrate a scheme where fake electors cast fraudulent votes. And so that's why the, the state of mind issue here is absolutely critically important to this case. And that's why the most important elements of the indictment are those elements that talk about all the evidence that Trump knew what he was doing was wrong. And his principal defense is almost certainly going to have to be that he didn't know what he was doing was wrong, that he thought that all those – that a bunch of dead people voted in Georgia or that he thought, truly thought, that there were more votes cast than actual voters in Pennsylvania. Like all of these things were easily – disprovable. But the, if Trump can say that he was acting and, and persuade a jury that he was acting 
genuinely, out of some sort of genuine conviction that he had actually won this election, that it's an impossible prosecution. But if if the prosecutor can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he knew what he was doing, he did it anyway, and he knew it was false, that he was that it was false and fraudulent, then Trump, under current case law, is going to face real criminal jeopardy. And uh, by the way, there is one of my favorite lines in the indictments is uh, when he's speaking uh, to Mike Pence and he says, the problem with you, Mike, is you're too honest, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which implies that uh, Trump has a a different characteristic here. The the, the, the strange thing uh, that I have picked up today from several pretty good sources is that apparently this new attorney he has, Loro, is uh, uh, promised Trump that he is going to use this trial, which they hope will get all the publicity in the world, to prove once and for all that Trump did win the election of 2020. Yeah. That it was a stolen election and that they're going to try to see as much evidence that they can put forward about a stolen election as would be uh, admissible. And a lot of that would be admissible, wouldn't it? Right. I mean, if his defense is going to be, no, I thought the election was stolen, this, this was a complete— And it was stolen. Right. It, well, I mean, that would be part of trying to demonstrate that level of conviction to the jury. That attempt makes some sense, but it's really dangerous to try to make that the centerpiece as opposed to, as opposed to saying, no, really, I'm making my state of mind the centerpiece. There is a— there is a subtle – there is a difference between those two because if you try to say that the actual centerpiece is that, no, really, 10,000 dead people voted in Georgia, um, you're in real trouble. But if the centerpiece is, no, really, I thought at the time that 10,000 people – dead people voted in Georgia, that's a different thing. And so if they're going to try to go and prove – and they and they and they communicate in any way, shape, or form to the jury that believing that you have to believe the election was stolen to to vote to acquit Trump, he's in a world of hurt. But if you can persuade the jury, which is I think the more accurate, <laughs> the more accurate thing that all we have to do is show that the pr- prosecution hasn't proven beyond a reasonable doubt that he was lying, that's a that's an easier load for a defense attorney to carry. So that's pretty puzzling, although it's absolutely the case that showing what that Trump had actual convictions that he'd lost is key to the defense. But that's well, I can't thing. imagine, David, I, knowing a little bit about Donald Trump now after yeah. the years that he's been prominent, I cannot imagine that he will go before a jury um, having his uh, his representatives declare that no, he actually did lose the election. In other words, if if they are asking witnesses, if this becomes an issue uh, for Trump to admit publicly that he has in fact been lying all this time, or he's in fact been wrong all this time, and that he lost the election by seven million votes, and it wasn't even that close. Uh, can you imagine him making that concession before the whole world? 
No, it's it's almost impossible to imagine him making that concession. The problem comes that if he's going to take the stand, he's going to be subject to cross-examination. And that's where, you know, when you see Trump make his confident declarations about this or that, he is, A, not under oath, and B, not under cross-examination. Sean Hannity is not cross-examining Trump when he does those town halls. So this is a very different thing than just kind of grandstanding on Fox, right? So he has his own dilemmas here. But nobody should say that this case is as clean or cut and dried as the Mar-a-Lago documents case. Uh, well, that's that's the other story. Which one is going to go first, do you think? Well, you know, that's a great question. The Mar-a-Lago case is scheduled. This is a much more complicated case. And so the, there's while it doesn't have the complications of dealing with the classified information, it's going to be a longer trial with a lot more witnesses. And I'm not confident it will happen before the election, to be honest. Should it be televised? (laughs) I would think so, but it probably won't be. We will be right back. David French, Godspeed to you. We will be right back with more on why this trial matters and how it actually could help to unite the country and bring us together. We'll be right back on The Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved. I listen to you every single day. And on The Michael Medved Show, I mentioned that we had gotten a very fine uh, email, and it's fine because it's thought-provoking and it's challenging. And good for Bradley. I don't know where Bradley's writing in from, but he sent me an email. He said, could you explain to me how all of these Trump indictments are helping bring the country together? And a completely valid question. Because it would seem that the divisions today at the moment are uh, as bad as ever before on, on any issue. Because uh, people believe that uh, either Trump is an inspired leader and someone with unique gifts of leadership who can unite disparate groups of people or uh, that he is a demagogue and a rogue. And uh, again, he is one of the most polarizing political figures ever in American history. Uh, Richard Nixon was polarizing, too, but no, not like that. Richard Nixon also carried 49 states in 1972. In any event, here's the basic explanation, Bradley, is that right now, if there is one thing that divides Americans just viscerally, I mean, down deep, and where it's almost difficult to have a, a civilized conversation with people who disagree with you, it's whether the election was stolen. Th- that is a core disagreement in this country. Now, thank God I've read much of the polling and about two-thirds of the country, uh, a higher percentage of the country than voted for him, believes that Joe Biden was legitimately elected president of the United States. 
He won by 7 million popular votes in Michigan, which is one of the contested states. He won by 180,000 votes. When Trump carried Michigan in 2016, he won by 10,000 votes. And and, and uh, you saw that Biden run by 18 times as much. So despite all of that, there are people with very good intentions, very good minds, uh, very patriotic, wonderful people who I respect, who are just convinced that uh, fraud determined the outcome of the election, that it, it was not a legitimate election. And it's very tough to live and function in the country if you believe that power was basically stolen by um, malefactors, by, by bad people. And the one thing about this trial and this issue and these indictments are it's going to air all of that out because as uh, as David French acknowledged the only way that Trump can uh, possibly win and get a verdict of not guilty in uh, the charges against him is if he is able to persuade people that, well, uh, I just didn't know, I was misled, I was wrong about the election. If he insists on uh, continuing, well, no, the election was... Given the amount of detail that is there in the uh, indictments, uh, the amount of detail with all of his closest associates and all of the people in the state legislatures and the secretaries of state and the vote counters, it, he had to know. And I think that after the trial, the country will have to know that, no, the election was not determined by fraud. There wasn't massive vote stealing. The level of vote stealing was... Uh, less than a dozen votes per state. I mean, it was extraordinarily rare, and that's what they found. That's why none of the recounts have shown any big change. And in that sense, it can bring America together. And it can also uh, mean an end uh, to the political career of uh, somebody whose entire modus operandi has been divisive politics. And, and basically seeing the other side as uh, people who want to destroy the country, who uh, have uh, no conscience, and that includes people in media. And uh, that's why it's so precious and worthwhile. Uh, on Fox and Friends yesterday, uh, there was uh, an appearance, li appearance last night uh, by a legal analyst named Elliot Felig, who actually had a, some defense on Fox and Friends, had a defense of the new Trump indictments. Uh, listen, this is clip three. He has the First Amendment right to say the election was stolen. He can say that all over the country. He can say it all over TV. He has a right to file lawsuit after lawsuit claiming that the election was stolen and try to stop the certification. However, where he got in trouble, is when they assembled these electors in the various states after Joe Biden had been declared the winner by the secretaries of state or by the governors, had them sign a certification saying we are the duly elected 
and duly certified electors. That's where he's going to argue there was no good faith basis. That's where he's going to say the fraud took place. If I can make an analogy, right? Yeah. I could come on your show. I can say I'm Elon Musk's long-lost son, and I'm entitled to inherit all of his billions and billions of dollars when he dies. I can say that all over the country, even though it's false, even though it's stupid, right? But it's the First Amendment. You're First protected. Amendment, exactly. But if after Elon Musk passes away, I walk into probate court, hand up a document that says, hey, this is Elon Musk's will, and I know it's not his will, and it says I'm his son, and I say I get all his billions of dollars, guess what? Then I've committed fraud, then I've committed forgery, then I've maybe done an attempted grand larceny. And Jack Smith is going to make the argument that that's where they were not acting in good faith, that when they had these uh, false certificates prepared, when they asked Mike Pence to accept those rather than the other certificates, that's where he's going to argue the fraud was committed. Okay, and then he goes on on that issue. Listen. He's going to argue that Trump knew those were false certificates. Right. He's going to argue does he that have there a case was because Trump, everyone you talk to, says he still believes that he won the election. Right. Well, that's a great point. So, to the extent that the indictment defends on knowingly making false statements, right. the key there is knowingly. Yeah. Donald Trump is going to defend this by saying he truly believed at the time and still to this day absolutely believes that the election was stolen, even in the absence of evidence, even though his own attorney general and so many others said no, this was a fair election. Okay, and again, uh, the list of people, this is what's so important. It's a point that Joe Scarborough made, uh, that they're all Republicans, that the people who are cited in the indictment are people who were part of the administration. By the way, it's part of his own family. Uh, they got testimony from Jared and Ivanka, and uh, people who were extraordinarily close to him, including his vice president, obviously. And once this big lie, and I think it is a big lie, about the stolen election is resolved and that is put in the past, yes, it will help to bring the country together. Uh, when we come back, uh, more in terms of reactions to these latest developments on The Medved Show. By the way, I, I think your show is great. I disagree with almost everything you say, but you at least give people a chance to talk. Michael Medved. On the Michael Medved Show, in his outstanding column, uh, The Trial America Needs, David French uh, writes, it becomes all important for the prosecution to prove, beyond a reasonable doubt, that Trump knew he lost. The strong constitutional protection for efforts to influence or persuade the government makes the intent element inescapable no matter the court in the indictment, no matter the count in the indictment. While there are certainly nuances in other counts regarding the precise form of proof necessary to establish criminal intent, the fact remains that the prosecution will have to utterly demolish the idea that Trump possessed a good faith belief that he had fairly and accurately won the election. But that's precisely why this case is so important, writes David French. More important than any previous Trump indictment. If the prosecution prevails, it will only be because it presented proof beyond a reasonable doubt that the election fraud claims that a substantial percentage of Americans still believe to be true were not only false, but were also known to be false when they were made. Okay, and then he writes this. Uh, I am not naive. I know that even, not even a guilty verdict will change the perceptions of many of Trump's most loyal followers. 
As Nate Cohen wrote on Monday, the MAGA base doesn't support Trump in spite of his flaws. It supports him because it doesn't seem to believe that he has any flaws. The perceptions of these supporters may never change. They may remain loyal to Trump as long as they live. At the same time, however, a successful federal trial would strip Trump's defenders of key talking points that his voter fraud and vote manipulation claims have never been fully tested, that the House January 6th committee was nothing but a one-sided show trial, and that a proper cross-examination would expose the weakness of the government's claims. Trump will have his opportunity to challenge the government's case. His lawyers will have the ability to cross-examine opposing witnesses. We will see his best defense, and a jury will decide whether the prosecution prevails. Uh, somebody who is very much defending President Trump is someone who has inspired increasing conversation as a potential running mate for Donald Trump if he wins the GOP nomination. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and he released a video, a pretty spunky video, after Trump's latest indictment defending the former president. Listen, clip 15. It's another sad moment in our country's history. The 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, has yet again been indicted by the Biden DOJ, a political party in power that is now repeatedly using police force to indict and arrest and potentially eliminate its political opponents from competition. This is a politicized prosecution. It is a political persecution through prosecution. Now in a third indictment, just in a matter of months against the person who is still at present, the lead contender in the Republican primary for U.S. president. I want to be very clear. I am running for U.S. president in that same Republican primary. It would be easier for me if Donald Trump were eliminated from competition. That's not how I want to win. This is not about politics to me. This is about first principles. We do not want to become a country where the party in power is able to use banana republic-like tactics to eliminate its political opponents. Okay, uh, uh, when you talk about banana republic-like tactics, uh, that's part of the idea of 561 years in prison, which I don't think is going to be the verdict for President Trump. On the other side, uh, on another cable network, on CNN, in fact, uh, Van Jones uh, had uh, something positive to say about Jack Smith's decision to prosecute President Trump. Listen. I'm proud of Jack Smith. Count number four, count number four, uh, conspiracy against rights. What rights? What rights? The right to vote. The right to vote and have your vote count in this country. That's what this whole thing is about. And somebody stood up for that. We stand in very long lines in my community, by the way, uh, to vote. Uh, we shed blood in this country to vote. And somebody tried to take that away. Just take it away. Because he didn't want to leave office. And somebody finally stood up to him today and said, you know what, any fifth grade class knows you can't cheat and lie and bully and use violence to get your way. And guess what, applies, what applies in the fifth grade applies in the Oval Office too. So I'm proud. I'm proud that Jack Smith stood up. Uh, I'm proud that, that people who, who, who vote, who work, the election workers in this country who've been bullied and, and tormented, had somebody stick up for them today. I'm proud today. 
And uh, that's uh, Van Jones, former aide to President Obama. Uh, by the way, here is a uh, the Michigan House Speaker. Michigan was a disaster for Republicans in 2020 and in 2022. In 2022, not only re-electing the governor by e easy margins and re-electing a, a Democrat in, in the Senate, uh, but also taking control of both houses of the legislature. The former House Speaker in Michigan it was a Republican. And uh, he wrote, uh, made a statement, a public statement. He said, we've diligently examined these reports of fraud to the best of our ability, reports of fraud coming from the Trump campaign. I fought hard for President Trump, he said. Nobody wanted him to win more than me. I think he's done an incredible job. But I love our republic, too. I can't fathom risking our norms, traditions, and institutions to pass a resolution retroactively changing the electors for Trump simply because some think there may have been enough widespread fraud to give him the win. That's unprecedented for good reason, and that's why there is not enough support in the House to cast a new slate of electors. Uh, I would fear we'd lose our country forever. This truly would bring mutually assured destruction for every future election in regards to the Electoral College. And I can't stand for that. I won't. Uh, then uh, on January 6, 2021, the defendant, Donald Trump, publicly repeated his knowingly false claim regarding an illicit dump of more than 100,000 ballots in Detroit. Uh, and by the way, he lost the state of Michigan by more than 100,000 votes. That's even if all of those ballots in the alleged dump had been for him and if the alleged dump had actually happened. Uh, there is more. There is Chris Christie uh, suggesting, well, this about the legal expenses that Trump is now taking away from his campaign, his presidential campaign, to pay his lawyer costs. Here's Chris Christie on that one. When you look at just his campaign filings yesterday, almost most of the money that middle-class Americans have given to him, he spent on his own legal fees. I mean, this guy's a billionaire. And uh, how about we go down the street, maybe just sells Trump Tower um, and pays for his legal fees that way, or maybe sell the plane um, and he'd do that, or one of the golf courses. And uh, th there is much more on uh, all of this. Uh, there is also this last word from David French. Millions of Americans believe today that Joe Biden stole the presidency. They believe a series of demonstrable, provable lies. And their belief in those lies is shaking their faith in our republic and, by extension, risking the very existence of our democracy. There's no sure way to shake their convictions especially if they are convinced that Trump is the innocent victim of a dark and malign deep state. But the judicial system can expose his claims to exacting scrutiny, and that scrutiny has the potential to change those minds that are open to the truth. I hope you're open to the truth for uh, about the Haunted Mansion, new Disney movie. We will get to that. And... Michael Medved show. Uh, there are lots and lots of Republicans, most 
Republicans, certainly most of the ones who are running for president, with the exception of Chris Christie and Will Hurd and Asa Hutchinson. And uh, Chris Christie will be there for the debates. I'm not sure the others are going to make it. But uh, the statement by uh, some of the Republicans who are not running for president are also worth paying attention to because they're impassioned and they actually show sort of the self-destructive direction in which some elements in the party are moving. Consider, for instance, Lauren Boebert of Colorado. She won her election in an incredibly close race, just amazingly close race. And uh, she ended up winning by less than 500 votes. And uh, she posted a video today uh, to social media about uh, defending President Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. This is clip two. Our role, we were not rubber stamping um, states that we saw um, massive um, irregularities in the voting where uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of ballots were mailed out illegally. It is illegal for states to change election laws. Uh, that is something, uh, or excuse me, for, for uh, the federal government to change election laws um, or, or uh, secretaries of state or uh, rogue judges. Um, we, it is up to the state legislature and that did not happen. And so we objected uh, to several states who did exactly that. They changed their state election law. Um, and the Constitution says it's the state legislature that changes those. And uh, that is why we objected. There was nothing illegal, certainly nothing for President Trump to be indicted over. Um, but now I hope he uses this indictment to go to each and every state that we had in question and uh, finally fix our elections and secure them once and for all. Okay, the problem is that a lot of those states have switched from Republican states to Democratic states, like Michigan, uh, like Wisconsin, uh, like Pennsylvania, for goodness sake. And uh, the Republican Party, and this, this is something that somebody should let Lauren Boebert know about, she's in a safe seat. The fact that she came within a whisker, it wasn't until three, four weeks that they finished the recounts, she uh, may be running against the same person again this time. Uh, not always the most rational of um, contributors to the conversation. Uh, Daryl Issa is much more formidable. He is now representing the 48th district in California. He had left the House of Representatives, then came back. And uh, he does not take the Trump indictment seriously, but he is also disgusted with the continued lies about the 2020 election. Uh, listen, this is Congressman, uh, conservative Republican, Daryl Issa. Well, I think in 24 years of serving uh, on the Judiciary Committee, I've never, never been more ashamed of the Department of Justice. Virtually on the same day, uh, you know, same week that a judge is the Department of Justice tries to trick a judge into giving what amounted to a pardon to Hunter Biden by trying to exclude a paragraph in a, in a settlement. They come in with these trumped up Trump charges. And when I say trumped up Trump charges, he was the president of the United States. He was entitled to not be uh, prosecuted for that. 
There was an impeachment attempt by Nancy Pelosi. It failed. Uh, there's no question at all that this has been looked at and thrown out. Do, am I disgusted with some of the things the president said as he threw his temper tantrum? Absolutely. But again, there's no way that these charges are legitimate. And all they're doing is fueling those who say that the former president is a victim. Okay. This, uh, one of the things that they point out, if you read the, uh, the indictments, is that he is being indicted not for things that he said, not for things that he may have believed. It's for things that he did. And in particular, setting up the phony electors, uh, basically committing fraud, which is part of what the charge is against him. And, uh, and then there's there's always Rudy Giuliani. He is the unindicted co-conspirator number one. And uh, isn't that a wonderful distinction for him? And uh, Rudy Giuliani was uh, also not at all happy with the Trump indictment. Maybe it's because he didn't get his name honored. He's just uh, co-conspirator number one. Here's what he had to say. And in an angry frame of mind, this is clip nine. Long ago, stopped being careful, and I didn't worry. I don't worry about the Jack Smiths of this world. Uh, I have a chapter in my book called "Stand Up to Bullies." So here's what I say to Jack Smith: After the Supreme Court threw out your case, which is, should, should should have been a disgrace, and you should have gone and found another profession because you don't belong in this one. This one will be your legacy, violating the right of free speech of an American citizen, never mind whether he was president or not. It could be anybody. It could be a homeless person. You don't get to violate people's First Amendment rights, Smith, no matter who the hell you are or no matter how sick you are with Trump derangement syndrome. And this isn't the first time you've acted like an unethical lawyer. It should be the last. Uh, there we go to Rudy Giuliani, who... Um has some of his own legal challenges. By the way, uh, President Trump sent out a, a very surprising uh, message of gratitude to his supporters, like Rudy Giuliani. It's all in capital letters, which usually people point out that's a, a sign that he's angry, but this is not an angry, it's a gracious uh, message that he put on uh, his truth social. Thank you to everyone, three exclamation points. I have never had so much support on anything before. This unprecedented indictment of a former highly successful president and the leading candidate by far in both the Republican Party and the 2024 general election has awoken the world to the corruption, scandal, and failure that has taken place in the United States for the past three years. America as a nation in decline, but we will make it great again, greater than ever before. I love you all, three exclamation points. But is the new Disney movie, which is aimed, kind of misaimed at kids, it's called Haunted Mansion, and it has a, quite a notable cast. Worth seeing? Check it out. Now it's time for MedVed's Entertainment Minute. 
Based on a long-standing popular attraction at Disneyland, there's a new movie starring Rosario Dawson as a single mom who needs some help to cope with some of the problems in her new home, a haunted mansion. Now playing in theaters. After midnight, the house comes alive. This place is haunted! We need your help. We find someone who can communicate with these ghosts. You're all in for a treat. Well, not exactly, despite the presence of Lakeith Stanfield, Owen Wilson, Tiffany Haddish, and Danny DeVito. There's also a brief part for Jamie Lee Curtis, who spends most of the movie inside a glass bubble. Despite the talented cast, this attempt to mix humor and fright fails at every level. It drags on at a pokey pace and concludes without surprises or satisfactions. Rated PG-13 for frightfully unsuccessful attempts at horror, one and a half stars, for a haunted mansion not worth a visit. And on the Michael Medved show, speaking of uh, not worth a visit, uh, in the uh, decade before crime started shooting up again, they stopped uh, broken windows policing. That was the broken windows policing is the emphasis on fixing things like broken windows or painting over graffiti or picking up litter. Why should that have an impact on the crime rate? We'll talk about it next time on The Medved Show. And did Trump really believe the election was stolen? Everything in this upcoming trial is going to turn on that idea. How could he believe that when he actually paid millions of dollars for investigators to check it out who find no massive uh, fraud. So why does it matter so much? We'll talk about it uh, Thursday, tomorrow. And uh, the U.S. credit rating downgrade is a sign of government dysfunction. How? Because the national debt is ballooned from $14 trillion to $32 trillion, more than doubling in a little over a decade. What can be done? 